Welcome to Protein's podcast, Stories of Growth, a series of conversations with founders and thought leaders doing amazing things around the globe who share their stories of growth and the lessons they've learned along the way. I'm Kessin Casol, Community Manager of Protein DAO, focusing on our events and DEI. I'm also studying an MA in Internet Equalities at the UALCCI, and I'm obsessed with people who are dedicating themselves to creating safer digital spaces. For season five, we're moving into the world of Web3 and speaking to people who are putting communities first in order to manifest a more equitable and decentralized future. In this episode, I catch up with Nadia Piet, founder of AI Times Design, an educational platform exploring the intersection of AI and machine learning in design. We discuss the good and evil of AI, the concept of protopia futures, and how we should feel encouraged to collaborate and experiment with AI as a creative tool. This was recorded live in the Protein Discord, so make sure you follow our socials or visit Proteins.xyz for all of our other upcoming events. So I started thinking about technology in this way when I wrote my dissertation um, all about AI and creativity and questioning whether AI could actually be good for our creativity and benefit it or not. Uh, From this, I started a side project called Latent Space, which explores the creative potential of AI, positive and negative. Um, And I create like images with AI and stuff um, in collaboration with other people which is how I ended up meeting Nadia and hearing about everything she has been doing with AI, AI Times Design, and which has been an inspiration for me for a long, long time now, um, and which is why I'm so ex- excited to speak to you today, Nadia. Um, so maybe you can um, explain a bit more from your, from your perspective what you're up to and, and what you're focusing on at the moment. Yeah, thank you. Um, so funny how all of us come into this space with our dissertations, I guess, because it's the first time you can pick a topic yourself. Ah, AI hey, creativity. Um, yeah, thanks for, and thanks for having me today. Um, so, shall I just give a quick, quick background on um, how I ended up here, or just on the community, or how would you, what would you like me to share? Yeah, sure. Maybe you can start with like, um, yeah, what you're up to at the moment with AI, AI type design, and you know what what it is, and yeah, how you, how you got to, to forming that. Cool. So it's good. Well, I'll start somewhere, and you can tell me what is um, what is interesting. Um, so it was yeah, I did also my dissertation a few years ago on um, AI and design, and my background's mostly in like UX design. Um, and strategic design, surface design, so design, but not necessarily with um, beautiful visual outputs, but uh, yeah, the more sort of meta design. And I was really interested in AI, but also didn't really um, understand how it would relate to my practice as a designer or how it would be uh, intersecting with some of these things I was thinking and talking about. Um, it just seemed this thing that, you know, they're doing in Silicon Valley and I read about on Wired and like, it's really interesting, but I don't know what it has to do with me. Um, so for my uh, thesis as well, I basically started this research around um, how does AI impact design practice sort of, and the, you know, like 
broad range of disciplines within that. Um, how does it change those practices as well as how does design and designers and the way you know designers usually think around like creating with intention, how can that sort of um, help influence AI development? So I set out with those questions and then just uh, tumbled into a bit of a rabbit hole that I've never come in, came out of again. Um, so I started that and I did this um, AI meets design toolkit, which I made because, you know, as I was learning about this stuff, I wanted to like share that somewhere and I make a toolkit and I just made it um, freely like available to download for anyone. And then so much response came to that. Like people were just, messaging being like oh I'm, I'm a UX designer at this uh, organization and we just started using ML and now I need to explain it and I have no idea how um, or you know people doing more like creative artistic research being really excited about like potential of machine learning um, and so a lot of people started reaching out and I quickly um, was just like hey these people shouldn't talk to me as you know flattered as I am but they should really talk to each other um, and so that's sort of, yeah, just the start of the community. I was like just opening up a Slack space and adding some of those people there. Um, and then a lot has happened since. So we grew, I mean, get into that a bit more in depth, but we started doing events and, you know, grew that out to be, um, yeah, quite a busy programming now with like a few events a month and content and research and collaborative projects. Um, and figuring out our structure as well as like a community-driven organization with a bit of a team now and a bit of funding now after two years um, and figuring out what's, yeah, what's the best way of going about, you know, value exchange online around a specific topic and how you can like facilitate meaningful exchange um, through little, yeah, chat bubbles or uh, calls or... Um, yeah, figuring, figuring all those things up. Um, and we have a lot of events coming this year, um, which I'm really excited about, but we can, we can get into that. Cool. Thanks for that amazing um, introduction. Um, it's really cool to hear that we both started from our dissertations um, and shows that that freedom of choice is like really important in uh, determining what path you go down. Um, I wanted to say I really, I really always appreciate how uh, the community you've built is very like positive um, surrounding AI and like really collaborative and um, feels very caring because I know that a lot of people uh, see AI as something really big and negative, scary, which it is in a lot of ways, but it can also be something positive. Um, so I wanted to know how like people in the audience might not be so like um so sort of focused on the topic as we are so maybe it would be nice to give a definition of like how do you define ai or how should we see ai given everything that you're doing yeah sure that's a big question um <laughs> well let's start with what what is ai i mean for me it's um not so much the technology but this like underlying concept of teaching computers or getting computers to do things that we previously thought required human cognition so um i think one there's this whole ai effect right like as soon as we 
figure out how to do something with computers that we before were like, oh, if we can do that, it's AI. Then we do it. We're like, oh, no, it's just advanced statistics or it's just, uh, you know, crazy machine learning or whatever. And it's like AI is a constantly... Uh, you know, like it's a moving target. Like it's not, it's not really a thing. It's like a aspirational concept, kind of. And so I always think about AI in that way. Um, and then to your point, it is quite scary sometimes to see the applications of this technology as well as, you know, just the decentralized sort of like power dynamic around who gets to use and develop um, this technology. So I agree. There's lot to um, really be concerned about and I always think that's funny because people are like oh my god you work in AI you know when you're just at a birthday party whatever I'm like oh my god you work in AI but like isn't that like really bad and scary um, and I just think the way to be part of that then is to you know to go in so like if you're worried about something lean into it maybe see how you can like influence the space for it to be you know, heading in a direction that is hopefully less scary rather than sort of um, detaching from it and being like, well, that's really scary, so fuck it. Um, so I think I work in AI because I'm concerned about it, not uh, because I'm that optimistic. That said, though, I do think, yeah, there's, you know, the future doesn't just, like, happen and unfold and we can influence it. Um and so I hope that, yeah, I'm happy to hear that that undertone maybe is always there in the things we do, um, you know, and to be, like, accessible so more people can think and talk about these topics um, and, like, yeah, sort of influence its direction instead of just being a bit, like, deterministic, you know, or nihilistic about, um, like, the development of this technology. Yeah, 100%. I always have the same thing with my friends who are like, oh, you preach so much all the time about how AI is evil, but like, yet you're making all this stuff with it. <laughs> um, and I guess it's kind of, yeah, like you said, about trying to like, be, be some of the things that like, you want to see in the world. Um, so, yeah, it's really admirable what you're, what you're doing. Um, I, I know that you've also just started a new job recently. Um, an agency um, I'm wondering if you could tell us a bit about that and how you how you managed doing um, that new job and also AI design and how you manage both and and yeah how you balance it and the boundaries and everything yeah well figuring that out every day as uh, I'm sure you can recognize I love by the way that there's always lots of mental health stuff in like the the protein um, supplements and stuff. I always, always read those because I really care about these things. Um, but yeah, the new job. So I am now, since last month, um, head of creative tech at that agency. It's quite a big agency. Um, it's like 3,000 people globally. And there's offices everywhere. Um, and we do, well, just digital creative work for quite big organizations. Um, they started as like more of an advertising agency, but by now have sort of embedded all these other, um, you know, skills and capabilities um, 
like data front end back end all the like digital uh, production as well instead of just campaigning mm-hmm. and um, they kind of want to move you know take the next step in that so like we have web and we have app okay cool uh but now what's next you know and i think the exciting thing about some of these new like emerging technologies is that they're again more like spatial they're more experiential more sensory um so you know like ar vr extended reality um but even ai machine learning and like the new types of interactions and interfaces that offers um i think it's exciting because it brings technology like into our lives in a more integrated way rather than it being stuck in this like tiny screen that i i don't really want to be in um <laughs> so, so their question is was like okay so what is this next wave of emerging tech uh, mean for creativity basically and for creative work um and that will be my role to uh to figure that out and help them to embrace these like new um new technology specifically for like creative outputs um so that's quite fun um and feeds into you know everything else i'm doing as well amazing that's so cool to hear um yeah i'm really interested also in how we can bring um technology more more into our lives in in more exciting ways than looking at a screen um and i feel like um people are scared of that but i feel like it's already happening um so i guess uh, i want to ask you one question that i feel like everyone's asking at the moment um but how are you feeling working in all of these technologies and about the the idea of the metaverse and um yeah how do you feel about the metaverse do you think we're already there or we're not there yet good question um well i think about metaverse like the same way i think about ai so not so much about the technology but like the you know not like the implementation of the technology but like the concept so i think the metaverse i don't know who said this also this is a quote okay this is not not me but this thing that like the metaverse is the idea of uh digital life being as real as physical physical life and i think that's essentially what the metaverse is and then now like you know this like version of it it is has a spatial uh sort of presence of digital in the internet that you know we didn't have before so in that sense of course it's different um but i do think it i don't know people now are like oh my god it's this whole new thing and like of course it is but the idea has been something that's coming along for a long time and even the way you know social media and our like influences our lives like we i've never seen you you know we've never met but like <laughs> <laughs> we feel like we know each other you know because like digital life to us is maybe almost as real as the physical one so um you know and it influences lives in way like in ways that previously were completely unimaginable um so i think yeah the metaverse is just like a continuation of of that of digital life being real um not a sort of escape not a sort of um destination or activity um but really embedded and i think now of course the metaverse is still that it's like oh i'm going into the metaverse like i'm going 
you know, logging on to Decentraland or whatever. But the internet used to be that. Like, you would be like, oh, my God, I'm going on the internet tonight. And, um, you know, it would be really like this activity. But now it's like nobody goes on the internet. Like, the internet is just on you all the time. Um, so yes. I guess that's where we'll get eventually with that. Yes, I love that. I feel like I agree with all of that so much. I feel like whenever people ask me that question, I'm kind of like, yeah, but aren't we in the metaverse already? <laughs> kind of. The fact that we're all <laughs> exactly. online all the time and like, you know, it depends how you see the metaverse. But yeah, I, I agree with everything you're saying. Um, totally there. And it's really interesting to think about um, how like, yeah, the internet has sort of evolved into us calling it the metaverse or something. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit more, if you don't mind, um, about your sort of like personal background and uh, maybe more more that side of how you grew to where you are now. Like, um, yeah. Cause you said you started. You said you started your interest in in all of this uh, um, stuff surrounding AI and creativity from your dissertation. So. What, what were you up to um, at university? Yeah, well, I think the interest was there much, much before it, you know, like even as, as a kid, I was quite nerdy and I was always like, I was just obsessed with the internet. Like I always just wanted to be on the internet. Um, and just, um, there was this thing as well we had when we were small, it was like Facebook, before Facebook, you know, and you could like customize your profile page using HTML and CSS. So like, I remember doing that when I was literally like seven or eight or something. So I think I've always been pretty nerdy. Um, but then, I don't know, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, you go into the world and you're like, Oh, I guess I, I sort of fit with the creative people. So like you sort of go there and then I forgot that I'm actually a huge nerd um, for many years. <laughs> and then, you know, came around to that kind of um, at some point just because so much. So I was, yeah, freelancing for a while doing um, uh, like web design and um, like sort of digital marketing things for like SMEs. Um, so I started freelancing very early as well because, you know, I didn't like working in retail so much and nobody gives you uh, a job, but then boomers will give you a job that has to do with the internet because that they trust that, you know, you got it more than they do. So I started with that, <laughs> did that for many, many years, kind of. Um, and then at some point decided to go back to school. So I was, yeah, job out. And then I uh, went back to school. I did, uh, I studied like business innovation, which was quite um, generic, but a really good foundation, I think, where I learned a lot. Um, and just got to like sort of explore the topics I was interested in, because as long as you could argue that it was innovative, you could kind of, you know, work, work through anything that you um, thought was relevant. Um, and so you could sort of co-create the course. And then, yeah, definitely from there, I started going into AI and machine learning data more. Um, one, because I thought it was really interesting, also like conceptually, philosophically. Um, but two, because of, yeah, what we said before, that it just seemed like a really important development that everybody was sort of shying away from. Um, and that, that scared me, actually. So I think I was both intrigued and urged um, 
to kind of go go in that direction. Um, but yeah, before that, I had done like a million things. Like I managed the record label and I developed like curriculum for schools and I did uh, speculative design. And I don't know, I did so many things and I had no idea what any of it, you know, if any of it would ever make sense. Um, and then, yeah, with AI design, sort of all these things like um, intersected a bit and I had like an avenue to... I don't know, like channel all my interests into, and um, yeah. Mm, amazing! It sounds like you've come from a lot of different angles and um, sort of embraced everything from all those angles into one, which is which is really interesting. Um, I just wanted to take a sec as we've had some questions in the chat. Um, do you think the future um, is, or how are you feeling about the future? Are you feeling like it's utopian or dystopian or something in between? And this can be related to just AI or just, just in general. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Great question, because I love any excuse to throw in the word protopia. <laughs> Um, so protopia is this idea right that it's not the future is not utopian or dystopian which would be like absolutely you know beautiful or just downright awful Um, but this idea that it's probably going to be somewhere in the middle it's probably going to be you know a lot of good stuff and also quite some bad stuff Um, so quite maintained uh, instead of it being this, you know, promise or uh, nightmare, basically. And then the other thing about it is uh, that it's this idea that the future isn't, like, set. Um, it isn't... No. It, like, nobody knows about the future because it's not here, right? So, and we can shape it through our actions and, you know, we might not be able to uh, save ourselves from some, some things. Um, but I think that's also okay so like we just do what we can uh to make the future you know even tomorrow or next week or next month for uh you know everyone around us in the ways that we can just a little bit better um so i like this protopian view of the future it keeps me critical but not paralyzed um because if you go with dystopian it's just like you know, nihilistic, and you would give up, I think, because you're like, we're doomed, which, not saying we're not, it's just that I don't think that that helps me get through uh, life in a, you know, joyful, meaningful way. Um, And the utopian as well seems, you know, uh, also actually paralyzing, because you're like, well, I guess it's going to be fine, so I'm going to just hang around. And I think, yeah, this idea of protopia like activates you to do whatever you think is right uh, in the present and the future. So I like protopia as a um, future um, future vision. Wow, that's so cool! I've never I've never heard the term protopia before. Now I'm going to be obsessed with it uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, when I first found it as well, I was like, oh wow. Yeah, it's so cool. It also sounds like, sounds great. And yeah, I love it. I think 
that also that's also kind of how I feel a lot of the time like one day I'm like oh no the world is ending can't do anything <laughs> and then the next day I'm like actually I can save the world but yeah maybe it's not healthy to be an extreme of of either of those ways and then a balance is needed yeah. to realize it's gonna go whatever way it's gonna go yeah but exactly and also this nuanced viewpoint it's like just not something that makes headlines or whatever like nobody wants to write an article that's like today is 0.01 percent better or worse than yesterday like that's not a you know people <laughs> like making statements and protopia it's not a statement it's just like the mundane reality of every day you know moving into the next um but as a yeah under underpinning idea i think it's really helpful <laughs> yeah, i love that i love that um yeah i feel like it also very much depends on on you know your different circumstances and where you are in the world and um and who you are yeah. so um Going back to some personal growth bits, I know that you're currently usually based in Amsterdam right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, so what kind of, what drew you to Amsterdam or, um, I mean, where, where are you actually, where are you actually from? Have you always lived in Amsterdam or, or not? Yeah, so... Um, I was born in New Zealand, but grew up in the Netherlands, so I am Dutch. So this is this is home home ground, basically. Um, but I did move a lot in the past, like ten years. So I grew up kind of uh, hating where I'm from and just wanting <laughs> to escape it. I don't know. I'm like from a tiny, tiny village, and from when I was really young, I was just really fed up with. Um, um, yeah, just like the culture and the mindset there, I was just like, oh, I can't wait to see the world and live in the city <laughs> and be somewhere, you know, exciting and whatever. Um, and I lived out that fantasy, you know, and it was amazing. Um, I moved a lot, especially when I was freelancing. I got to do a bit of this, like, digital nomading thing, you know, where you just, like, move and work uh, around. Um, which is amazing, and it's like such a such a huge privilege to just be able to do that in so many ways. Um, so I'm really, really grateful for that. And then the more I started doing that, the more I started realizing that where I'm from is actually pretty cool. Um, not necessarily the village, obviously. Um, <laughs> that's 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 not my job, but you know, the Netherlands is like, yeah, just has so many good things around just like quality of life and social welfare and um you know we have our issues obviously politically like everywhere and like polarization but it is still um you know socialism is still kind of the norm um so there's lots of good things that um that brought me back and that now i'm here for i'm not sure i'll stay here forever um but for now it's a good it's a really good place to be I think in terms of like work-life balance you know as well um mm -hmm. I've toyed with the idea of like you know going to the US and like doing big tech um for a little while and like honestly mm -hmm. I just don't don't really want to <laughs> yeah I like being a person you know 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. I think there's always like a big assumption when you do tech things. People are like, oh, are you going to go work for Google? And, and you're like, no. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like that must be so. the ultimate goal. And then, I mean, in the beginning, maybe I thought it was too. But then the more you come into this industry and you realize what that means... Um, it wasn't yeah. my goal, you know, and also it's fine if to some people, of course it is, but like, um, yeah, just in a really lucky position to decide that I also don't want to make work, um, actually my number one, my priority. So I didn't. And here, here it's a nice, you know, work-life balance. Like I'm at the office now. Okay. It's 6.30. There's not a soul. Like there's no one here. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Um, we've actually got quite a lot of uh, protein members in Amsterdam and they are all meeting up this week, I believe, or next week. Maybe if somebody can post the link in the chat. Um, oh, sure. but, yeah, which, so which day? If you're around. Well, I'm going to um, Paris on Thursday till Monday, um, but I would love to, yeah, meet the people here. Amazing. Yeah, we'll share the details with you. Um, but yeah, is a great place. I feel like I spent like a few months there um, years ago and really liked it. And I've also seen that there is quite like a scene there at the moment of of people like us like doing cool creative tech things. So it seems like a really fun yeah. place to be. Um, it is. It so, is. So in a way, though, it is also like a bit of a bubble sometimes, which isn't you know an interesting one as a person because you're just like wow this is really nice like everything's just really comfortable and um you know there's so many like-minded people at the same time it gives you a quite unrealistic uh like data point for what the world is um so it's good to uh like be happy in your bubble but really remind yourself all the time that it is a bubble and i feel like all of amsterdam is a bubble um, <laughs> it's like little, you yeah. know, little creative safe space or something. Yeah, totally. I felt that while I was there, even though I didn't, I wasn't there for long and didn't know many people, I felt like I could not be anonymous. You're always bumping into people you know all the time because it is such a small little bubble, which which is really yeah. nice because it feels like a special community. But um, yeah, different vibes to London for sure. Definitely different vibes to London, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but everywhere has its own beautiful differences. Um, so what What about your, um, if you don't mind me asking, and obviously feel free, we can skip it if you want, but um, I wanted to ask you a bit about like your family or, or people who surrounded you while you were growing up and... Um, yeah, maybe just a bit about them and how, how they might have, like, sort of um, contributed to where you are now. Yeah, sure. Um, also, no, like, I'm not not a very private person, I think, so feel free to ask stuff. Like, I'm usually comfortable answering anything. Um, well. Yeah, so growing up, so my... I'm sure there's a name for this, but like I'm uh, the first in my family to have like a degree, you know. So growing up, mm. I didn't really realize that was a thing. I just thought I would be like a hairdresser or something. Um, <laughs> but then, yeah, I was always like very 
like I loved writing and stuff as a kid and always doing like creative stuff. I would do a lot of like collaging and just, you know, from quite early on, like being really drawn to all of these like creative disciplines and just like arts and crafts and reading and whatever. Um, but yeah, my environment didn't really share those interests. So they didn't really get it and didn't really, um, you know, they didn't know how to stimulate that because they're not like that at all. Um, and so I think, yeah, that did take me a long way to, um, to, to find my way in that. And also it's why I think, you know, people who like grow up and their parents do creative work, it's like you, mm-hmm. you just grow up knowing that that's a job. <laughs> like yeah. I didn't know that that was a job. Like I had no idea that the creative industry like was a thing and like what it was like and potential you know, I also didn't realize that my, like, talents were, you know, a skill set. Like, I thought I was just, like, creative for fun. And then I would have to find, like, other things to do for a living. So, yeah, it took me a really long time to just connect those, connect those things, you know. And um, so in that sense, that was, that was tricky. Sometimes I also felt just, like, misunderstood you know like I was just a weirdo basically in my environment um and also yeah you know if you if you grow up like that you think you're weird because obviously everyone else likes similar things and just you don't um so yeah that was definitely tricky and then my mom does actually work in um in IT so I think maybe that definitely you know it gave me an idea that tech is not gendered or, um, you know, like my mom works in IT, so why wouldn't I? So I never had this idea of like STEM being for boys or something. So I think that definitely uh, worked out in my favor, you know, and she was always like, oh, cute, you broke the computer again. Um, So they wouldn't get too upset about that. So I think that really helped my digital literacy early on, even though sometimes I would like, get some trashy thing from LimeWire and accidentally, like, destroy our computer. Um, just not, you know? <laughs> Actually, looking back, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. They didn't even get too upset about that. But I guess maybe they also didn't know what was happening to the computer. They didn't know it was my fault. Um, but, yeah, so, so definitely creatively, um, I had to find my way and also... Um, yeah, just, I don't know, intellectually or whatever. I was like, I'm always really curious and I love just learning new stuff and like going to the museum and like reading and I never did any of those things growing up. So I I think it's realistically only like the last five years or something that I'm, I'm like, wow, this is like the things I like doing and like I can do this for my job and I can go to a museum on weekend and I can read books for fun, not because school tells me to. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was definitely a, a journey to find, to find like that I like these things growing up in an environment that, you know, really likes different things. Yeah, that's so interesting. I totally feel you on this 100%. Um, and thank you for sharing like your experiences with us. Um, I also had an upbringing like from people who um, were not really, like my parents were not really creative. And I also felt that that thing of like, 
trying to, I don't know, strive to be creative and not really knowing at all what to do with it or where to go. Um, so I'm wondering yeah. what 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 kind of things helped you in in your path to finding it? Because I know, I mean, I'm also an only child, so I didn't have siblings or thing either. And whether you might have had siblings or or anything else that helped you in that journey. Mm. Um, I do have a sibling, but he's more like the others also, you know? <laughs> I was even more weird, because it's like, why is she so weird? Why is he normal? She's so weird. Um, yeah, so it's not, I absolutely love my brother uh, so much. We're really, really close, but um, in this sense, yeah, he's, he's also different i think what helped me i don't know there have been a few um and i think everyone has that like a few formative teachers that you've had in like primary or high school where you know because as i was getting older i definitely started like acting out a lot but i was just i think all around quite shitty person um when i was younger <laughs> Because I was just, you know, I, I didn't feel like I belonged. I felt really, like, unseen. I felt really misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't know what to do with how I was because I didn't have anyone around me that, that was similar. So um, that definitely formed some, um, you know, like, mental um, kinks or, like, weird, weird uh, pathways in my brain. Um, so then as, you know, sort of puberty hit, you start just like acting out and just being a bit of a dick, really. Um, obviously not aware at the time, but now looking back, I'm just like, God, I really just needed a hug or something. Um, but yeah, so from that, there have been a few teachers, you know, that, I don't know, they reach out and they're like, hey, I see you're just being an asshole, but like you're also smart and you're really curious so why don't you you know do this or do that and just stop being an asshole and even though in the moment you kind of like reject them maybe you know they do stick with you they're like a little reminder that um you have value and that maybe uh you know there is a version of you underneath like the shitty behavior that um that you can like become so I think that, and then later, traveling, definitely, uh, eight mm. years of therapy, definitely, um, yoga, big one, um, and, then some, and then also just finding your, finding people who are similar or different, but like accept you for being different. Um, so I think, yeah, as you then grow up, you know, as a kid, you're so powerless as well. It's like you're just stuck in a world and there's just nothing you can do about it. And every day just kind of happens to you, you know. But as you grow up, you realize that you can um, do things and you can decide what to do and you can, like, shape your world. So I think, yeah, after, like, 18, 19, when I started to realize that but also be able to exercise that, you know, um, then things got, yeah, got good. I started, you know, doing creative things, finding creative work, connecting with people who are uh, like-minded or felt me like, you know, made me feel like I belong somewhere. Um, yeah, and then a big one, definitely therapy. I go to therapy every week for the past almost eight years. 
which is, uh, you know, committed, but it really helps me. So I keep keep going to that to iron out my um, mental kinks and create new pathways that um, that allow me to like be be happier. Wow, I love it. I feel like, yeah, mentors and teachers um, are so important. Um, good ones and bad ones, actually. <laughs> um, Definitely. Um, yeah, the anti-hero is very important as well. Sometimes you're like, I don't want to be that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Definitely yeah. have many of them. Um, but it made me think now about how, you know, that you've had really important teaching figures um and now i think a lot of people probably like look to you and what you're doing in that kind of way as like a um you know a push of encouragement or you know the sort of like positive information you spread about how people can can design things with ai is like really empowering and i wonder how you feel kind of having the tables turned and like now you're kind of a bit of a teacher or like a spokesperson um how, how do you feel in, in that role mm. yeah i do feel like i'm now uh there which sometimes is weird um <laughs> also just with you know for example even with ax design that before i did it alone and then we had like volunteers and contributors but now we have an actual team right and i get to uh decide how we operate as a team and i'm just so aware of like the values i want to bring into that as i'm sure you're also yeah thinking about a lot with like the community and like running protein um it's like the um, we cannot like i wouldn't want to create a platform that is um, you know, caring and accessible to anyone who follows us on Instagram or comes to the event, but is toxic to the team. You know, if anything, I would opt mm-hmm. for the opposite. You know, it's almost like your employees or like collaborators are your first, like they're your most important uh, stakeholder, basically. Like they're, they're, you know, the most important bit and you as well, like as, as a creative. So... Yeah, I'm super aware of how, um, I don't know, just things like if you don't feel well, then like then we'll take over as a team or, you know, just really trying to um, invite people to like communicate their boundaries, to communicate when something's like upsetting to them. You know, it's like you're a person at work. It's not like you're a person and then you go to work and you leave yourself at the door or at the, you know, join Zoom button. Like you are a person at work with your strengths, but also your, like, your vulnerabilities or your insecurities or, like, your triggers and, um, you know, things you're good and bad at, not so much with, like, hard skills, but just, like, you struggle, you know, like, your confrontation avoidance or, like, you tend to just say yes, but, like, underestimate your time or, you know, everyone has these, like, pitfalls, but I think as a team it's really... Uh, important to look out for that so I'm trying to do that the best that I can um, and also constantly aware of how I'm failing to do that at times you know or how I feel like I can always do do better with that and creating like a healthy environment really for myself to thrive for for the team to thrive for anyone that's like following us or in the community or in the network to thrive um, 
yeah, so I'm yeah very aware of like having this platform. I'm just trying to do it from the values that I think are um, worth sharing from, you know, and how how exactly that translates. It's always a struggle that I'm trying to figure out. But I think like starting with the values and the intention for me, it's really important. And so that's all the stuff we talked about before, like being, you know, caring and um, healthy, just like not toxic um, and moving from these, yeah, like mindful values, I guess. Um, yeah, it's something I'm tr- constantly like trying, trying to practice. Amazing. Yeah, I think that's definitely how everything should be, like from the values outwards. And it's amazing to hear that you you're considering these things like so much in everything you do. Um and yeah, it's really cool to see and, I, and I'm not surprised um that that's why you're doing things. Um Yeah, trying so though, right? It's definitely a challenge as well because looking for like uh I don't know, resources on how to do like leadership in this way, it's really hard. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing out there um, or very little. I mean, anyone who's listening who has resources, please send them. But like, you know, like mm-hmm. bell hooks meets like management. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's what I'm trying to figure out. And uh, <laughs> any help is welcome. Wow, that sounds like a perfect mix. Um, yeah, I've definitely um, got some resources and I'm sure everybody else does that we can all share together and help each other out because it isn't easy to be to be on that vibe all the time. Um, you know, everybody has their own things going on and um, we need to support each other to, to make each other feel like um, we can be those things sometimes. Um, yeah. So I wanted to ask you one last question. Um, and thinking about sort of, you know, designing these spaces with more intention to be to be more safe and, you know, these systems and processes that, that we're all using or aware of, um, bringing it back to AI and your specialty, um, if you could... This is a big question. <laughs> if you could do... One thing with AI in the world that you think could be done but is not being done positively, what would you choose to do? Oh, my God. Um... (laughs) Or a couple things, or just any thoughts. Or dreamy, evil, or good. Let's see. Dreamy, dreamy, dreamy. Yeah, I don't have an answer to this, but I'm gonna uh, just think about it now. Um, I mean, I think there's a few, you know, obvious problems in the world that it could maybe help us solve. Uh, like, I don't know, what if it, you know, it could do like, uh, it could help us to be confronted maybe with the impact of like everyday decisions on the environment in a helpful way. Like what if, uh, you know, for the for people who can afford it, like your food would be just like, I don't know, priced on the basis of like how, how uh, much footprint it's leaving or stuff like that. You know, you would just have a sort of real-time tracker, so you're like aware of it. More importantly, though, I think, you know, in the end, the problem with the world, I guess, is like 
power dynamics and I'm not sure how AI could solve that but if I was like a villain version of myself what I would maybe do <laughs> is build like a corruption AI and then like shut those people down like just I don't know like boycott their internet or something um because you know there's enough resources to go around and there are solutions to all the problems we're facing like the solutions are there and the resources are there the challenge is in the implementation right and um yeah. that being held back to like meet other interests kind of um so i would uh, i don't know have an ai that can um scout those people with other interests mm-hmm. and maybe persuade them and if not persuade maybe boycott them <laughs> wow and I then, love and this. then give place <laughs> and power to to people who you know are moving from these other values that would be like my villain ai but like save save the world villain ai um yeah more than anti <laughs> yeah exactly now we're in like anti-hero um i don't know i don't think there's a way it could really solve all the big things but i think um i mean my like my more realistic answer to it is that making it as a material more accessible and like educating mm-hmm. you know general audiences on these things so that people who know a lot about you know politics or the environment they will see the opportunities um and be able to you know build meaningful like stuff with it um because i don't have maybe the domain expertise to really you know but i hope that uh, by making it like more accessible people who have you know like experts um knowledge about certain areas and and then knowing about ai they can um more easily like connect the dots and uh, hopefully help solve some of these like problems we're facing mm yeah 100% i think it's definitely about awareness and education and like if more people knew exactly what what types of ai are actually accessible to use and what they could do with them then then a lot a lot more exciting and and nice things would be happening Um yeah that's that's what I think yeah that's what I'm hoping for <laughs> <laughs> Yeah we'll get there we'll get there slowly and surely and everything that you're doing is um definitely pushing us in that direction so thank you Yeah thank you for always supporting the community as well really appreciate you Oh yeah always and thanks for supporting Protein and us um Yeah, I know that we've basically well it's it's time now. So, yeah, I guess we can wrap up there. Um that was such an insightful conversation and I feel yeah, very grateful to have had you um on the podcast and thank you for your time. I've definitely got some things to go and research now. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, always some like uh, fun fun homework things to share. Definitely send me send me the bell hooks. Um resources need those in my life yes and definitely also yeah at protein as well it's super interesting how you're i think you guys are also doing that and then adding this sort of uh decentralized you know dao layer 
um, I think bring all of those things together can really, yeah, bring bring about this like new um, form of organizations, you know, that can like be fun and meaningful, help solve big problems while like taking care of each other. Um, so yeah, it's good to be, you know, in good company on that mission. Definitely, definitely. It's all about collaboration and all avenues, I think. Um, and yeah, that's definitely what, what we're trying to sort of vouch for um, at Protein as well. So yeah, watch watch this space, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for having me as well, for the invite. Yeah, no worries. Anytime. We'll definitely um, speak again, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for your time. And everybody in the chat, be sure to check out um, the links we shared about what Nadi is doing as well. Oh, actually, one last question that we usually ask that I forgot. If anybody wants to contact you or get in touch, what's your preferred way to do that? Um, if it's a, a fun, cute message, Instagram DM. If it's a work... <laughs> project collaboration question then uh email which is on my website <laughs> okay cool all right um well and yeah, yeah always feel so. free to reach out like happy to um you know share as much as i can or help where i can so um yeah don't hesitate to reach out if you think i can be meaningful to you in any way oh thank you so much nadia um speak soon Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you, Will, for being my surrogate microphone <laughs> voice. This was a bit ridiculous, but I'm happy it actually worked out. Yeah, we got Very there in fine. the end. I've been sitting here really quietly trying to not make any noise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're doing a great job at that. Um, I almost forgot that, you know. Yeah, there's but a photo. Yeah, thank you so much for the insights. Right. And uh, keep doing all the amazing work with protein. Great. Thanks, Nadia. Chat soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.